Hello, welcome to Sync Ratios, a podcast about Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ben Collins. I'm your other host, Luke Piotrowski. And joining us is our good friend and uh, third host, I think, at this point. What's your name? That's right. <laughs> Kevin Phillips. <laughs> what is your name, sir? <laughs> Great to meet you guys. Yeah. What are you doing here in my home? What <laughs> are you Kevin's doing home? here <laughs> in my home? <laughs> This yeah, we're back. It's episode 22, which is At Least Be Human, or the English title, Don't Be, with a period. Yeah, it's a... It's... Like your name. The title yeah. of your name has a period. Um, the script is Hiroshi Yamaguchi and Hideaki Anno, and the director mm-hmm. is Akira Takamura. And this was first broadcast on February 28, 1996. And we're getting into the shit guys yeah this is an intense one so it doesn't even start with opening title sequence there's no opening title sequence in this one now this is this i believe this is the second episode that we've done that has been the director's cuts or is this the third this is the second actually let me double check because the director's cuts again were this is what's going to be on Netflix, but there was the initial there was the broadcast releases. They tweaked a few things when they released them on video. I think they changed the colors of some texts and might have been a few tiny little tweaks. The movie Death came out after the series aired, and the movie Death was mm-hmm. a recap of the series, and there was some new animation that was shown in the recap scenes. And that footage, along with some more footage, was incorporated into the episodes, and that was the director's cut episodes. I'm not sure when they came out in Japan, but they were eventually released um, over here in the United States. Since you know, after the show had already come out on DVD, there was several other DVDs that came out that just covered these last few episodes. Although I, I wonder, I mean, the, the, this is we could easily find out. I wonder if, if on Netflix it doesn't just have the... Oh, it does, yes. It does, yeah. Yes. The, these are the versions of the episodes that you'll see on Netflix. It's just the director's cuts. I don't think they oh. have the regular version. Oh, no, what I'm saying is I wonder if they don't have the um, opening credits. Oh, they... Yeah, good they question. They probably added it. They might. I don't know. But for us, watching it on this DVD, it just starts and it's jarring and it's, you know... Cold open on a full moon. Yeah. In a flashback, this is an interesting, this is one thing where we're sort of getting, we're opening in a different perspective than we had, and it's a scene of Asuka and Kaji uh, before... On her uh, way to... uh, Yeah, they're on the boat, right? mm -hmm. Yeah. Where we meet them. And it's it's interesting. I mean, we, I'm not sure that we learn in this scene, this isn't like different from what we've seen of them, although it's it's a much more... uh, it's She's most... being much more forward than I mean. There's a lot of been a lot of like flirty <laughs> stuff with them, but this is where she very directly kind of like makes a pass at Kaji and says, you know, we can kiss and all the stuff that comes after that. I think she says. I mean, she's yeah, and she sort of like you know opens her shirt up at one point um, it, to try to look prove that she's a, an adult. A she's a woman. Up. She's you know and says, look at me, which becomes a recurring motif in this episode of um and this is yeah uh kaji not very receptive to any of that yeah, <laughs> kind good, of staring. Good, good for you kaji. and the, actually that particular angle and that blank expression is something that we'll see from a different character in end of evangelion like there's something about that particular layout I, I guess i don't want to say what that is or who that is or where that is yet but maybe i'll remember <laughs> to bring that up when we watch end of evangelion but that just something about that uh that shot was like oh that looks like that other thing 
with that other person. It's really melancholic, actually, like seeing this as a flashback and seeing Kaji kind of lost in this introspective state. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, though, I mean, it's a lot of his character, like when he's not kind of uh, being super cool and flirtatious, uh, he's a thoughtful guy because he, you know, needs to be thinking about all this quadruple <laughs> agenting that yeah. he's doing. Uh, but. And it's, and it's, it does, yeah, this is interesting because, like, when we met him, like, when they go to the, to get uh, them in Unit 2 and stuff like that, you know, he's, he's on, you know, when he sees right. that, that whole episode, he's so cool. And we, of course, uh, you know, uh, in the most recent episodes, we you know learned a lot more about his character, uh, and as a character like his, you know, who he is at his core, and 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 you know who he wants to be. And uh, it's interesting to see him here be not on, and he's just laying yeah, there completely blank. And it's like, I mean, you know, like it's good good for him that he's not accepting the advances of a teenage girl, but he's also just <laughs> a I mean, fourteen year old. Yeah, girl. he's he's clearly thinking about a lot of other shit, and it's not just that he's not interested. He's not even there kind of like emotionally and it's interesting because it's like yeah presumably like the next day or something Masato shows up and he's right. Kaji again and it's like yeah this is what he's like sort of you know it's also sad because he's dead yep. for us exactly so this is seeing him for the first time uh, since that happened in the previous episode and is this little... and maybe you can answer this Luke is this scene actually part of the director's cut yes okay so I don't recall seeing this I've never yeah. seen these, this is new these oh, wow. and that's why I think she being more sexually forward you know it's sort of something they were you know emboldened by and I don't even, I'm not even sure I guess I'd be curious to see when these came out relative to End of Evangelion in terms of like this discoveries and character strides they were making there. Cause it definitely looks more like that. If you mm-hmm. look, you know, just, it looks a lot more cinematic and the character designs look a little bit more. You guys even called out at one point that Oscar looks older here and it's because she had her hair down, like Kevin pointed out as we were watching, but it's also just, it's the more cinematic style. I feel yeah. like the style mm-hmm. is a little bit evolved. That's true. So I think some of these scenes were probably closer to or maybe even after the movie and that's why they're doing stuff that you know this wouldn't have been on the show because maybe it is a little bit more this whole episode by the way is really well animated i mean yes it did like yeah. I and really... that's in part you're probably noticing director's cut stuff yeah where they were able but to some of the shots of just like of masato when they're when they're in the control room like you know trying to figure out what to do just some of just the the, mm-hmm. the textures of some of the stuff the lighting in this episode it just seems mm-hmm. It seems really specifically good, um, and obviously we've. we've said Misato's hair is very purple in mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we leave this scene behind, though, I do want to compare this to. I, th- I think this is kind of the. It all boils down to this. I, I know I called out the scene of Shinji and his mindscape. Uh, you know, a couple episodes previously, where he just shouts out, "Someone be nice to me, mm-hmm. please be nice to me." It's just. 14 year old boy screaming that and i think this is asuka's version of that scene when she opens her shirt and she tells kaji and we're gonna see it repeated later not necessarily to kaji but just you know almost to us the audience but it's just her a 14 year old girl screaming look at me please look at me Mm -hmm. so one person just wants everybody to look at them to be noticed and the other person just i just want somebody to be nice to me (laughs) and it's these very simple needs and how they're not being met for these characters is so tragic and moving to me yeah tra- and that's just you know society moving. japanese society specifically and you know but american society as well and society at large often uh just fails to meet those needs <laughs> attention yeah. and kindness i did the body language I, I pointed this out when we started but the body language of 
Kaji and Asuka when they're laying down on the boat. I think it's interesting that Kaji has his legs crossed in this, mm-hmm. you know, not, it's not necessarily a feminine pose, but, you know, the more traditionally feminine thing. And then Asuka is just splayed out <laughs> with her typical fashion, like, you know, man spreading on the, on the train or something. She's just like in a star shape, taking up as much space as possible. Yeah, she, she definitely, uh, yeah, it's, I can imagine her being, I can imagine the animators like really loving Loving or being annoyed by her, I'm not sure, but like, but they 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 give her so much body language. She's such an expressive character, and you get like a good balance of it because we get the great elevator shot, that, that, you know, <laughs> later where she's she's just doing the leaning pose, and it's we've talked about this before about how the characters in this show, all the characters really, but especially the three main pilots are so defined by their physicality. Yeah. In this episode, you get so much like really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is. I mean, we are looking at Asuka this episode. I mean, this it is, is an she's demanding it and we're yeah. doing it and we're mm-hmm. really breaking her down um, into component parts and learning a lot about her that if you've been watching the show, if somehow you're, you know, you're like, uh, you know, the way maybe some of us were as teenagers when we watched the show and found her more intimidating or less sympathetic, if, if somehow you felt that way about her, I would be amazed if you could get through this episode and not change your perspective absolutely i mean it brings so much dimensionality to the character that we always knew is under the surface but um we're we're starting to actually understand more about what happened to her uh as a child um and very much why she is the way she is um in her neediness and her demands and her desires um it's really great that Luke pointed out the church um, in this flash in a, a flashback after the flashback of Oscar uh-huh. and Kaji on the boat. Um, we see Oscar at a funeral for her mother, and there's these voices that are talking over this as Oscar kind of like looks on stoically, um, almost like devoid of emotion. Uh, but there is a church, and it was interesting. I asked about this to Luke and Ben on <laughs> yeah. the side text oh, yeah, thread. Yeah. If there is any uh, indication throughout the series of Catholicism um, uh, as an actual religion uh, or creed outside um, the mythological aspects that are brought into Nerve and Sele. And here we have what I believe is the only semblance of that being a church with a cross on it. There's one other shot of a church Mm. in the episode with the the Duroxy and the Lelial angel Mm -hmm. uh, with the the shadow uh, that I only noticed because I watched it again Mm. after you had asked that question and I flagged it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you kind of threw us for a loop when you texted. Does religion even exist? Like, Does Christianity as we know it exist in the University of Evangelion? And I was like, well, yeah. And then I was like, well, I don't know. I guess... They don't have any proof of that, and they just got no, me thinking. Yeah. It's in a, a world thing. where there are cross-shaped explosions and beings called angels, and mm-hmm. I mean, Shinji points out that's a name for a messenger of God. Yes, but we point out like apostle is actually the little translation. But yes. Anyway, it was it was a very interesting question, and I was like, man, you should have saved that for the show because you really would have thrown us for a loop on the air, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you could have rolled up like a real baller and just been like, boom. I needed the answer in the room. immediately. Uh, <laughs> I apologize for not withholding. Uh, do we know who's actually talking here, Luke? Do you have any idea? No, I don't. No, that kind of a... sounds like Ritzko, No, uh, but I'm not mm. sure. Two people talking. I wouldn't think it would be. Yeah, but she does have this. There's clearly some kind of stepmom because she's on the phone later with that's the, right with the stepmother. Um, but there's also several of these things of just kind of other people talking. And yeah, yes. You know, we're getting a lot of a sense of what Asuka's experience through life has been. It's just, oh, it's there's like always adults weird, around her. It's a reverse talking, Peanuts you know. situation yeah. where there's just a lot of, 
she's listening and she's hearing what they're saying but uh yeah she's being quiet you know whereas peanuts you have the the kids you can't understand what the adults saying because they're not part mm-hmm. of the kids world and this is a child that's sort of absorbing the adult world but nobody's talking to her they're just talking around her and about her typically. so let, let me get this straight so oscar's mom what is her association with nerve she worked with them she worked with yes NERV. and it was a contact test similar to yui. what happened with yui but instead of disappearing completely it just broke her mind broke her mind so yeah. it absorbed maybe you know there's a piece of her that disappeared whatever happened afterwards instead of bodily disappearing she just came back this broken mentally fractured thing and she's basically here we see her in a hospital ward uh, giving uh, the affection that a mom would give to their child to a doll she thinks that the doll is oscar oscar she does not recognize oscar anymore as her daughter she just sees the doll yes she she even refers to oscar as like she's like talking to the doll and she's like you know you're going to be embarrassed in front of that big girl like or she's like right she even sort of yeah she she dissociates and like it's like so, so she could see her daughter but she doesn't um she just thinks of her as some other kid or something. I mean, it kind of honestly, it reminds me of um, uh, when my grandmother had Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Like it was like my my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and she basically like downshifted a whole generation and thought that my dad was her husband and thought that I was my like her son. And uh-huh. so, just yeah, yeah. Because in her mind, even though she was like in her eighties, she thought at that point that she was in her like forties or thirties or something. So she just picked the the people that looked the most like the idea of what uh, the expectation things. Were. And so it was like having to sit there and like have her talk about someone that she was not like. It's very weird in this. Yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff I'm remembering about my childhood in this whole episode, and it's. Yeah, but yeah, I think this is, this is sort of true and typical of what happens when somebody's mind goes like that. Is yeah, the the the, the connections they're trying to make, but There's the lo- the voices hypothesize that it's guilt of her mm. being you know sort of similar to uh, Ritsko's mother of like she wasn't there to take care of her daughter and now she's sort of foisting all that love upon this doll, like sort of trying to recreate what she missed or didn't do that she should have done when raising her own daughter. Which is fascinating because there's a lot of uh, threading of this idea of dolls and uh, dolls and dolls and puppets. puppets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I've seen translated both ways. Like Mm -hmm. Ray's famous line, she says here, I'm not a puppet. I've seen, I'm not a doll. It was on one of the t-shirts that I saw in, uh, Mm. in Japan recently. Um, when Ray said, I'm not a puppet, was that in accusation from Asuka? Is that, was that a resort? Or, yes. Yeah, exactly. So Asuka has this tendency to kind of call things puppets, and we'll see a lot of that, it seems, in this episode. Um, yeah, because she it, calls the Avis puppets. Well, and they make the really great uh, the thing that really struck me uh, since the first time I saw this was, again, the voices, the disembodied voices talking about that God made humans in his own image, humans made dolls in their own image. And so making the equation of like, well, how, how do we treat a doll as this well, thing that looks like us, but it's not real. It doesn't really have any mm-hmm. value or anything. And it's like, well, what if, what if to God, we're just, we're just dolls. Mm-hmm. What if we're just something that he created as a, as a play thing or as you know, something seen as an empty vessel, uh, which I think is interesting. Before we get too far behind, I also wanted to just point out that I had never really thought about it too hard before, but in that director's cut scene on the boat, we do learn that uh, Misato and Asuka knew each other, and Asuka was the. Per- oh, yeah. I mean, Misato was the person in Germany before Kaji, and you know, so Asuka has not just met, but like they had a relationship. And she mm-hmm. says, "Well, I don't like her very much." <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, it is. So, yeah, funny. just calling out that idea that Misato has been working with Nerve and was working in Germany with Asuka before the show began. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the main, the main um, bulk of the episode is sort of, is, is, a, is obviously it's all about Asuka, but it's about how um, the stress and her frustration with, with just her life in general. And her failure. She's had a couple of high profile failures yeah. from the last episode with Zeruel and cutting off her head. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I believe the time before that, I don't remember what, what the angel was previously, but it feels like there's been a couple of big whiffs uh, for her lately. Yeah, and, and she obviously doesn't doesn't take doesn't take failure very well. So so she's her performance or her ability to do the job of piloting the Ava is is suffering. Her her sink ratio, ratio is down uh, is down is, is down is, eight points. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of dropping as they're testing it, and she's of course. Creating a kind of a feedback loop with her own frustration yeah. with herself, which I can relate to. If you've ever like been playing a, like fighting a boss, like you know you're playing like Metal Gear or something, and you're just like on that same boss, and then you just get so psyched out yeah. that you just get worse and worse. Exactly. You know, and it's like I, I've definitely had times when it's like I would be so stressed out, and I just couldn't do it. And then like the next day, I sat down to play it and like beat it in one go totally. because I wasn't so like the pressure. To, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And of course, all these people at Nerve can do is be like, Oscar, uh, clear your mind. And she's like, Jesus Christ, I'm doing it. Like, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, everybody's trying to help her and it just makes her more angry. Yeah. She doesn't want yeah. help from from them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and right. especially a lot of the people who do who are reaching out to help her, people she resents in one way or another, whether that's, you know, Asuka or Shinji, the, oh, the great and powerful Shinji who can do all these amazing things. And now he's got this high sync ratio and... You know, Misato, who's the the rival for her affections with Kaji. Like, there's there's some reason for all of them. She's in competition with all of them in some way. So she, the, having pity from the person you're in competition with is just not... Ugh, it's like, you know, so, not for Asuka. So Asuka, um, you know, on this downward trend with her sync ratio is problematic for Nerve for a number of reasons. But it seems more... Uh, more to the point right now, uh, we have Ritsko saying like we don't have the leeway to repair both at the same time, that being unit O and Asuka's unit. Is that right? Yeah, I'm trying to... Oh, could we're be. Tra- there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of tra- tracking for like what the status of the thing is because there was obviously the whole unit one freakout thing and you know they are repairing it, but it's sort of being... Uh, they're not allowing it to do to do its thing, so they need... It's going to be a problem if Asuka can't perform because now, basically, Shinji can't do anything. Oh, it's, Shin, it's Unit 01, I'd say. And so there, so they have Unit zero, 0 that is, like, functional, and then, obviously, you know, they have Asuka and Unit zero 02. And so they're, like, there's a bunch, and there's a bunch of stuff about how Nerve is making more of them, and we can get into all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, do we want to talk about that now? Or? I were right about to that point. Um, the Ava series. Exactly. There's the scene with Misato and Makoto later on when he is giving her some info that he got from Shanghai mm-hmm. that they have begun production on the Ava series or the units, what does he say, 6 through 13? Yeah, I think, I think, I think he says 13, yeah. Because um, they were getting parts from like 4 and 5 or something. But yeah, five, and that, 5 and 6. 5 and 6 to uh to help with them and she says a lot of money's been changing hands but we yeah they start asking a lot of questions she already asked a few episodes back what are they going to do with ava's when all the angels are defeated and now they're like well why are they why are they starting production on all these avas unofficially 
Yes. Oh, unofficially. Yeah. And, and he, con- he's yeah. like, are they gonna? Are we gonna fight multiple angels at once? Right. Hmm. Um, it, it's a beautiful scene. It's super. It's one of these things that I love about this show is that it's an extremely efficient scene. It, it takes place in two shots. It's this beautiful, iconic mm. shot of like you know a pacifying like uh, evening in uh, uh, Tokyo Three. Um, Sato's sitting on this bench. The camera's behind her. And uh, they're having this conversation. Oh, and he's facing away from her. It's that sort of that clandestine right. meeting where it's like, well, I'm not going to look. I'm going to sit in the opposite table. It's kind of, yeah. It, he's leaning with his back You to her. see this type of shot in like the movie JFK like a lot mm-hmm. when um, Donald Sutherland oh, yeah, is the meeting. Scene. Yeah, exactly. Um, you see it in, uh, yeah, exactly. So it's great, but then it like jumps I mean, in. all the president's to, men. Exactly, and there's and which also reminds me of the elevator scene from later. There's a couple of all the presidents men things in this. To me. We're getting more and more. That that's what's really cool about the show. We're getting more into the clandestine kind of stuff. Um, there's always some sort of subterfuge. There's always multiple things going on here under the covers, and we're starting to see a lot of that. As, it's, yeah, it's the it's the corporate espionage thread that we talked about in like really early episodes. Mm-hmm. That like uh, among the list of things this show is from a sort of genre or like category perspective it's like yeah it is a show about giant monsters fighting giant robots and blah blah, blah and stuff like that but it's also you know this sort of like kind of sitcom thing about this single woman that has to take care of these kids <laughs> you know um it's it's <clears throat> you know sort of a, a like a workplace comedy in that way but it's also this like kind of corporate espionage conspiracy thriller thing well, and that's what I, I like was the, the kind of the main character of that plot. the evolution of as the show gets more introspective with his characters the characters get more introspective with just what even the hell they're doing and that that's the thing that i've noticed in a lot of shows but particularly you know more more mature shows or more interesting shows uh and a lot of anime and stuff as well where you're sort of with a genre you're typically introduced to like an ultraman that's the science patrol or that sssp it's like well here's the group of people and we fight the monsters and that's kind of what you do and that's your status quo and then there are shows like this that's sort of like yeah here's nerve and here's the robots and this is what we do we fight the monsters we save the day and as the show goes you start to be like well wait a minute who is nerve who are these monsters mm-hmm. why are we doing this again we really take the perspective of masato in a way that we kind of do in a movie like sicario with emily blunt's character where yep. she's kind of being she's in this position of authority but she as you know as it's been foretold in a, a number of the previous episodes she's kind of always one step behind trying to figure out exactly what it is that nerves up to what the committee's up to yeah. what Sele's up to what she's even doing and it's like that in, in addition to comparison. the heroes being questioned the heroics are being questioned like what is the nature of this business that we're doing where it should be rah 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 and now has become increasingly like who are, are we the bad guys exactly what, what are yeah. we doing yeah and it, and, it, and it adds like a multi you know layered sort of audience response because you want to see the fun stuff but then you're getting interested presumably in you know all the behind the curtain sort of what's really going on things in it and it all complicates your relationship to what you're watching yes and i mean because that's the you know reality too it's 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 fun to be you know patriotic or to root for something or be a part of something big but those systems can be corrupted at the end of the day you can sort of only really be responsible for your own morality as an individual and your own actions as an individual and when you start to root for something that is an abstract concept or a conglomeration some way that's when it starts to become 
dangerous. And I think that's interesting in this show that it's like, okay, we can trust Misato. We can't trust Nerve as a group. We, we mm-hmm. have to just trust the people that we can trust. Which makes me think of, and I, and I appreciate we've referenced both of these things before, it makes me think both of Star Trek um, and uh, Starship Troopers. Because <laughs> in different ways. And I think, and it's funny because I've never, you've, have any, either of you guys I've read, read the book? You yeah. have? Does the Highland? book have yeah. that sort of like, uh, don't trust authority, like kind of what is the meaning of this really kind of... See, I can't recall if the movie was a satire of the book. Like, I know, I don't, I mean, yeah, this is a... Yeah, I need to read the book. The only Heinlein I read was uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, which I did, I had a hard time with. I never read of, it. Well, it's very free love. Yeah, my mom gave a copy of it to me when I was a teenager and I never read it. Yeah, I mean, my mom too, that's why I read you know, it was like one of favorite of hers and then I read it and I was like, what? What is this? It's just like this is just like weird, creepy hippie stuff. Yeah. Just like, um, and it's like okay, well, I get that why that worked at the time, but I, I'm sort of like, mom, have you read this book like recently? Well, then if, if okay, I didn't realize that he wrote that as well. And again, this is you know, as I've flagged it before, the podcast is a good opportunity for us to bring up all the things we don't know about and have the people listening yell at us for being idiots. But uh-huh. I'm gonna guess then if that if he wrote if Heinlein wrote Stranger in a Strange Land that probably that anti-authoritarian streak of starship troopers is probably present in the book in some way but obviously the movie is like full bore it's like, like a, yeah. it's a satire on war movies and on the idea of all these things and stuff like that and i know i'm pretty sure that starship troopers and maybe the larger just highland i'm pretty sure that was an influence on gunbuster I, I, that's come up before because that's the sort of notion mm-hmm. of we're fighting these weird insect alien things, but oh, there's a different, which is also, it's also Dune. I yeah, mean, well, that was the, it was the Starship Troopers suit that Anno animated when he m- met uh, the guys from Gainax for the first time at that yeah, bar. That, yeah, the, the oh, apocryphal story. So, so, yeah, so I think that like that's, I think it is an influence on, on this. I think that that's part of what this is of pulling back the curtain of like this simple us versus them war rally, you know, mentality mm-hmm. being questioned, you know, and thinking, and then they, they, as I said Star Trek, cause that's, it almost becomes like a funny joke on Star Trek that like they're there representing Starfleet. This Fucking like Starfleet. And man. then it's every time Starfleet shows up to like do something, they're always have ill intentions. It's like you, no. you, you learn very quickly that while Starfleet as an idea is a good thing this like you know group of you know this group that sends people out into the into space to meet other cultures and explore and do things they also have tons of ulterior motives and the only person you can really trust is your specific captain because in pretty mm-hmm. much every star trek show with the exception of you know some of the cool shit they're doing on discovery the captains are always good honest people and so you you learn that the captain is worth trusting but anyone above him is probably evil on some <laughs> sort of different level and i think that you know i do think that both Starship Troopers and Star Trek were influences on Evangelion. I think it's one of the it's one of the finer aspects of the show for me is like the bureaucracy behind everything, and yeah. that's why I responded. I mean, in part, so well to Shin Godzilla because uh-huh. it's all about mm-hmm. like uh, Ben, as you put it so well after seeing it. It's just like people trying to figure out what the hell to do yeah. in a situation <laughs> that is uncanny, you know? Yeah. Well, trying to pass the buck too. People people desperate to not be the one to make the decision right. on what to do. Um, it's like, can't somebody else <laughs> make this call? <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it's, God, it's, Godzilla. And it's just, yeah, and it, it just, you know, it just goes on and on my admiration for Anno that he contains enough interest to make something that's this multifaceted. And yeah. it's like, so we're talking about all this shit for this within the context of this episode, which is 
above all else, just this psychological in-depth thing of this like yeah, this teenage is, this girl. Yeah, this is one of the very few like, plot things. Like, like this is the, this has nothing to do with Asuka. The rest of the episode is all Asuka. So yeah, so but it's good to flag that because they're gonna that's gonna be important later. Yes, and I guess we yep. can't say too much about it now, no. but there's all sorts of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff to talk about with that. Because the first time through, I didn't even really notice that scene pick up on it too much. Mm-hmm. It was only on subsequent viewings that I realized how important it was to talk, the fact that they're talking about you know mass-producing more Evangelions. And immediately, immediately following that scene, um, we have Asuka tragically on the phone calling what oh. we can only assume to be Kaji, yeah. but... Kaji's not answering. Not answering. Yeah. He's in that great big watermelon patch in the sky. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. And, we're just, and then we're just seeing this is all, you know, she's is just she, getting more and more pissed off. Because does she always wear her plug suit things in her... In her hair? Yeah. Are those not just like ribbons or something? I think they look like the plug suit. They do. Uh, she's dressed in her school clothes, but she's wearing the barrettes that look like the things that they wear on their heads when they're in the plug that's suits. true i feel like she has ribbons usually yeah ribbons uh, that's correct she usually does but i think it's kind yeah. of telling if yeah. she's good if she's wearing it's like when andy kaufman was supposedly wearing his wrestling suit under his clothes we <laughs> see that weird documentary which is all like it's like i think it's all bullshit but like th- they were interviewing robin williams or somebody and he was talking about when andy was going off the deep end and like you know you could tell he was he had the wrestling costume on underneath his <laughs> did either of you guys see art of self-defense not, not yet, yet. No, there's, really a, there's a great to. bit uh, that's not spoiling anything where Jesse Eisenberg's character gets very into karate <laughs> and to the point of where he he orders like a, a, a massive amount of belts uh, belts for <laughs> pants in different colors so you can uh-huh. wear your karate belt essentially wow. in waking life like outside the yeah. dojo yeah civilian yeah, yeah. life yeah so Asuka putting those on as part of her outfit is like oh she's mm-hmm. That's true. It. That's a great observation. She's got them on here too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When they're just eating dinner. Yeah. I don't think she does that usually. No, I'll have a, to check. Yeah. But smart. No. And then we and now we're getting some some kind of sad. Oh, it's so callback. sad. This is the moment that I because I always talk about, about this in earlier episodes. You're yeah. gonna be sad. You know, eventually you're gonna miss the Misato music, the mm-hmm. little theme song. That's my ringtone. Uh, you, the little happy music, like because mm-hmm. this is in stark contrast to like. Remember when Shinji was like running around naked and his penis was hidden by toothpicks and you know I don't know I mean Tenpin was eating curry and like tripping out like how fun it used to be and now it says they're all silently eating Penpin's like kind of waiting for that shit to happen yeah, and it like, doesn't he's like someone give me attention or do he's something like, wacky right. and then it just leaves and it's, and it's it bums me out and like you yeah. said I'm not sure I mean we'll, we'll flag it if we do but we might there might not be any more Penpin after this like this may be Pen Pen's curtain call. I don't know. Yeah, and it's like, and, and I don't remember if this is the last time we get them all eating dinner together or not. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is just them silently eating dinner, and it's it's this, a bummer. This might be a stretch, and I've never noticed this before. Uh, but it occurred to me in like the last episode of the previous one that we were watching, where um, the cockpit that all the pilots sit in resembles the face of a lot of the angels. Like, yeah. Like, and then I'm looking at the back of Pen Pen here, and I'm like, that is not too far off either. His and little backpack. His little backpack. There's like, I mean, it's just very basic geometric shapes, yeah. but it's it's there is some sort. It of It looks a little parallel. bit like a angel. I mean, if you look at it upside down, it looks like like the ship that Superman arrives in or something. <laughs> it looks like a little rocket ship. But I see what you mean, like. Yeah, it I don't know. Look, it, it, it looks like Sandalphon, sort of, like mm-hmm. clinging to his back. Yep. 
I like Misato's top here. She's wearing a light pink top with a very, like, a sort of geometric cut to it. Looks real good, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's good, good style choices all around. There's a phone call interrupting the dinner. Asuka's like, I'm not answering it. It's probably Kaji, Misato. You answer the phone. And then, of course, it just rings. And Shinji does it. Shinji. Shinji will do it. Shinji's wearing an XTC t-shirt, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. You called that out. And, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's possible that it's, like, a made-up brand or something, but... I mean, no, I'm going to assume fan that he's of a fan 80s, of the band XTC, yeah. yeah. Who is, I, don't, I don't remember what their big hit is. I mostly think of the They Might Be Giant song. The XTC versus about Adam Ant. Yeah. Didn't he do Dear God? Uh, XTC? Or a version a of it? It's a band, I think. I don't know. So the phone call is uh, for Asuka. And Shinji's like, Asuka, it's a call from Germany. And she's like, oh, it's my mom. And then, like, she gets on the phone and she's all, like, uh, chipper, heavily Japanese-accented German mm-hmm. that apparently was left up to the actress to decide what she was going to say. So oh. I don't know if she speaks German or what. Um, the liner notes of the Platinum things gave a translation of what she's saying. It's pretty innocuous stuff. Some of it's about Shinji. Like, no, I'm not going to, you know, do you want me to introduce to him? No, he's... He's and so Shinji just watches that she has this conversation. She's like, "You sure talk for a long time." <laughs> he looks and, real happy about it. Yeah. Like, well, he's kind of he's kind of sweet jealous. expression on Shinji's face. Well, when he when she says it's my whatever he said, like he like under his breath says a mother or something. Oh, like he's yeah. you could, he's a little bit like forlorn. Like he's he, like it's, it must be nice to have a family to talk yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. I think he yeah. Says. Her, her expression changes dramatically as soon as she hangs up the phone. Too, she kind of falls back into herself and she starts kind of. Opening up to Shinji as, you know, she's like, it's not my real mom. <laughs> so then she catches herself, though. And Why am like, I opening up to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really good expressions on, on her face throughout this whole episode. And Shinji's quick to be like, sorry. <laughs> apologize, apologize, apologize. Um, yeah, we've had Misato in the bath. We've had Shinji in the bath. And, you know, like, what is it? The bathing is the laundry of life or something. Like, something about having a clean mind. And it's, it's interesting that we get the bath scene here with Asuka, which I believe is a director's cut scene. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It is, has that semblance. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. is the shot that that, that that she looks almost like a different character. She looks like Masato, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it almost it, looks like like it's like a in the future or something like that. You like know, that like, she doesn't like. It is interesting that oh my, there's a helicopter flying by. I don't know if it's picking up on the yeah, mic or not. But bit, it's yeah. very exciting. Um, but the other ones, we have Shinji and Misato sort of soaking in the bath and being contemplative. And Asuka refuses to get into the bath. Like she kind of refuses to sit there and contemplate in the way that they do. The idea of getting in the same water that mm-hmm. uh, Misato and Shinji get into like, uh, disgusts yeah. her. She flat out says that. Breathing the same air as them, sitting on the same toilet seat as them, bathing in the same water as them. I don't want to do that. I hate them. But I do find it interesting that it, just metaphorically, the bath has always been this place for the characters to kind of get real introspective. And that that's something that Asuka does not want to do. I do not want to get in that water. I do not want to think about these things. And of course, the tragedy is by the end of the episode, her battle with the angel is going to be the angel forcing her to confront these kinds of things. Well, she's going to force her out, yeah. to get into the bath and she does not want to do that. It's interesting just bringing, bringing water back into the situation, um, you know, as like a kind of common reoccurring yep. theme. Um, Something that brings comfort, according to Ray and her poem. Exactly. So Asuka hates everything. She hates, <laughs> she hates, she hates Shinji. She hates Masato. She hates Ray. She hates dad. She hates mom. And most importantly, she hates herself the most. Girl, I feel you. 
So she's having a tantrum. Like she's like out loud screaming and Masato's just on her typer. Uh, like, <laughs> I, lo- I love Masato. that. But that oh. shot of Masato sitting, she's sitting on her bed with her laptop and she has a beer. And it's like, that's probably the most like relatable shot of any character. I'd be like, yeah. every single person I know looks like that. Uh, yes. Like, I don't know, 80% of the yeah, time. Her bed's a mess. She's got like clothes <laughs> thrown all over it. And... But I just love when it, you know, the fact that I, I got stressed out at that shot because it was like, man, what the fuck? Is, what, do you, what do you do? Like, you've got a 14-year-old girl screaming her head off and, like, smashing shit in the bathroom saying, I hate everybody. I hate myself. And, like, Misano can hear that. And it's like, this girl's your responsibility. Like, so what, what are you going to do about it? You know, and it's just like, God damn. <laughs> I mean, but honestly, this is like, like. I, How helpless. Being the, yeah, being the, the guardian of a teenager is probably, a, I mean. You'll be there soon enough, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and Masato, I mean, most importantly, Masato's been there in a certain regard. I mean, uh-huh. Masato also, you know, the uh, the child of uh, deceased parents, you mm-hmm. know, um, and a, a child who, like, went through her own trauma, uh, inability to speak, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure she's, like, empathizing with the emotions that Asuka is. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of similar to the scene where previous episode where Misato's crying, listening to yes. Kaji's message and Shinji hears it. And he's, he more overtly like wants to go do something. And it's, I am powerless to do anything. Misato's just sort of clocking it. And we don't really know exactly what she's thinking or feeling, but Shinji, we know felt helpless. It leads perfectly into the next scene though, which is the next day. And Asuka's back trying to sync with her Eva. Mm-mm. And uh, yes. again on the downward slope, Mm-mm. and Ritsuko straight up says like, oh, "This is terrible." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Misato's watching, and she's just like, "Asuka isn't feeling well today." She's on her period. Yeah, this has become a thing. Wait, do they? Okay, forgive me for not picking up. Are they? They're not implying that she's having her period for the first time, are they? I don't think so. No. Okay. But I wasn't sure. I was well, trying I to. It could be, but that's. They don't. It doesn't seem to be that case. It's just, she's on her second day of her period, and but, she but, later complains about cramps and laments like, "I don't even want kids. Why do I have to go through with this?" Why? Ritzko's quick to fire back though that like the sync ratio has nothing to do with um, physical physical ailments mm-hmm. as much as all. It's entirely psychological, and the problem lies more in her subconscious. But you know. D- and then there's like we being have, on your period does affect you emotionally. No like doubt, it, it's like uh, chemically it doesn't balance. Speaks to Ritzko. Yeah, no, bit. it says yeah that's that's Ritzko being uh, taking after her mother there and uh, and just dividing up the parts of herself and being like yeah sure. I don't that doesn't that doesn't bother. I refuse to sympathize with this girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's we cut from there uh, after like Ritzko kind of mentions that we might need to change the core of Unit O two, which Ooh, is yeah. interesting interesting. Uh, thread there i'm not really sure what what to say about that mm-hmm. but um it cuts to misato and ritsuko in a smoking section of nerve <laughs> overlooking beautiful mountains and they're having a conversation um both uh, are on edge um about asuka they're talking about like um oh this is when misato like gives like a pretty oh, savage yeah yeah, yeah. To, uh, well because like, ritsuko says yeah, like misato's talking about how maybe the three her and shinji and asuka living together is sort of reached its limit and Ms. Uh, Ritsuko has this like real smug look on her face, like, "Oh, it's at the end of your little game of house." Like this really kind of resentful and catty comment. And so I was really proud of Misato for being like, "Yeah, well, this is coming from somebody who keeps a fucking cat as her only companion." It's incredible <laughs> to keep loneliness at yeah, bay. She's so just... quick to bite back. With well, it. definitely, I think it's it's like 
the, the tensions between these two have yes. been building in, in yes. the and uh, that's what it is the old college friendship is is worn fairly thin at this point because they you know Masato is pissed off that everybody's keeping everything from her like that she's mm-hmm. ostensibly the one like running things but thanks to Kaji's you know tricky shit he, she knows now that basically everybody knows shit that she doesn't know and she's being sort of kept out of the loop on things and Ritsuko more than anybody is just able to do that without really batting an eye apparently he's <laughs> just like lying to her ostensible best friend it's just like i could just i just get the sense from the animation the expression maybe it's just me reading into things and being too hardcore team misato but it just it almost it does seem like ritsuko's like happy that misato's little uh, oh, yeah. domestic experiment has has failed like she feels like you know justified in her own life decisions and like kind of is happy to see that falling apart totally mm-hmm. i mean it's it's really interesting that Masato is back on the wagon with cigarettes as well. We have a prominent shot of oh, a, an ashtray at the beginning of the scene mm-hmm. filled with cigarettes with lipstick markings on it. Very much similar to the scene where Masato was with Kaji. Hmm. And she said, I only smoke after things like yeah, this. Yeah. But now Kaji, we don't now, know. We don't know what happened 10 minutes before this scene began. Maybe you they think it's all. Ah, that's very true. But I wouldn't. I mean, there's something to be said about Kaji being gone. Masato yeah. being mm-hmm. on like she even says it right here. She's like, sorry, I'm on edge. Uh, yeah, she is quick to apologize to yeah. you, by the way. Because <laughs> Ritsuka gives a really sort of... She does yeah, not have dejected. any response yeah. back to, to that burn. Oscar um, so complaining about... We, yeah, we see Oscar in the bathroom complaining about uh, her period. And we get then... The, it's the big elevator shot. <laughs> this <laughs> is an iconic moment <laughs> in the show. We're definitely in the stretch of the show with this episode and... Uh, not the next one, but the one after that has a pretty famous held still frame for mm-hmm. that really pushes the limits. We had we had one early on with the train station when uh, Shinji's about to leave and Misato not noticing Shinji behind her for mm. the longest time. And now we have this elevator shot where Ray does not blink. Asuka blinks and she Asuka blinks sniffles. And, yeah. But uh, the two of them in the elevator together. It just holds on this for so long as the elevator like goes through like all of the multiple levels of, do- <laughs> of nerve. Well, it really makes you feel as uncomfortable. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's the intention. And for some people, it doesn't work. And eventually you start to giggle because it's like, oh, my God, is this still going on? But it does kind of make you feel the discomfort of being in an elevator with somebody and you don't have anything to say. It's and excellent. It's like, is this elevator yeah. ever going to end? Like, are we ever going to get out of here? It rules because like as soon as Ray decides to pipe up, which is like, you know, yeah, um, Oscar's just the waiting. Eva won't move unless you open your heart. We quickly cut in to Oscar like firing back. She was waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like a spring loaded, ready to go. It's just rhythmically really well done. And this is where all the puppet stuff comes in mm-hmm. when she yeah. calls Ray a, a puppet or a doll and, she says everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> she says, fancy you starting up a conversation. Maybe it'll snow tomorrow. <laughs> Putting all of her, you know, sort of projecting on everybody else. Like, are you happy that I can't pilot my Ava anymore? You know, I bet you are. That, that thing that people always do is, oh, I think you think this of me. And it's like, you think that about yourself. Yeah. Why are you putting all this shit on me? Um, but yeah, not wanting sympathy from her of all people. And, you know that she's uh, um, Gendo's puppet, and the Avos are their puppets, and lots of lots of again the puppet stuff. The idea of not having any control. And she Asuka, calls, we know. yeah, Oscar straight up calls uh, Ray a puppet, mm-hmm. and Ray says, "I am not a puppet." And she says, "Like shut up, you absolutely are. You'd die if Com- Commander Akari told you, wouldn't you?" And she says, "That's right." And then we hear a slap. We get a lot of this is the second slap. Um, this is sort of a nice reversal of when. Um, 
Shinji was questioning that. Yep. Uh, hey, you know, the, are you going to you know, escalator? Yeah. The, the doubting Gendo and him sort of being like, aren't you scared to go in there again? You know, basically kind of asking the same kind of question. Like, are you willing to die for my I father think, and what he's I saying? And she every, slapped Shinji for that. And now Asuka slapping her because she's, I think everyone gets slapped. Except, <laughs> except Shinji doesn't slap anybody, and I don't think Ritsuko slaps Masato ever. Um, I don't think so. Masato slaps Ritsuko like twice. <laughs> she does. Um, uh, Asuka slaps Rei, Rei slaps Asuka, and Shinji. Asuka slaps Shinji and Asuka, Toji and yeah. Kensuke. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. yeah hold one go. A good three for. This is all leading up to, you know, the angel attack. An angel attack. Ariel. Uh, one like we've never seen before, and one that is particularly disturbing. And I don't know. When do when you guys want to describe this situation, Luke? I don't know. Uh, yeah, the angels call Ariel, or, you know, I guess it's sort of an interesting spelling of Ariel, but uh, um, I couldn't find a whole lot about him. Something about lions, uh, just another apocryphal angel. Um, but yeah, it's hovering just out of orbit. The, the thing is that it's out of range, so it looks sort of like lightning. And people pointed out if you take... This like sort of the the last three angels of this angel, the next one, and the one after that, and kind of put them together. They make uh, three pieces of a traditional angel. This being the wings. Oh, that's oh. fascinating! And we I were never going to see two others. I don't want to describe what they look like yet, but sort of a we'll see sort of a halo, and we'll see a body. Uh, and if you put the three together, you, you kind of that's get... really interesting. So Nerve has that set up to launch Ray. Uh, as the main uh, front of battle and Asuka's like I am not backing up Ray <laughs> like no fucking chance yeah. and so she launches herself traditional Oscar, mm, yeah. classic Asuka kind of surprised that they they would allow that to, well, to Miss, be Miss like, like Misato's like fuck it just let it go let's like let her go and if she fails she fails and that's everybody's sort of aware of that including Asuka herself that is like okay she's got a lot to prove here but it is you've okay you're taking this chance if you fuck up this is your last chance Chance, her last chance. Yeah. So Oscar readies the positron rifle that was utilized. Same rifle that was utilized in the previous episode where they were firing on. The... Uh, Romeo, good question. It's a it's a large sniper rifle sniper looking rifle. thing. Yep. Yeah, because the idea is the angel's so far away they can't get close enough to it. So how do we how do we sort of take it out? Um, we do see the similar interface too with the the triangle and the crosshairs. You know, trying to level up. Uh, in the center to pull the switch. And as she's about to kind of get it in its crosshairs, there's a beam of <laughs> oh, light. Hallelujah. Yep, exactly. Oh, my God. Hallelujah starts, uh, which typically gets sort of a, you know, with a lot of people I've watched it with, like, a, I guess that song is just so ingrained in our I think we all psyche laugh. that everybody kind of laughs yeah. the first time. And, <laughs> and then, then it just gets more and more upsetting. And the, like, the further it goes, the fact that that music continues to play is incredibly upsetting. So what happens is the angel essentially fires this like psychoactive, psycho psychological attack mm -hmm. through this like ray of light beam that shines down on Unit O two, and essentially, as Oscar says, it is uh, starts to defile her mind. Right. Um, Oscar loses complete control of her physical form and starts firing the rifle randomly. Uh, with some incredible animation, like the way it breaks up the clouds and then like the the wide shots with uh, Hallelujah playing and her. Uh, firing wildly in the city like the explosions Absolutely. with the golden light yes like exactly so, 
Such a great composition. She drops a rifle after it runs out of ammo, and she's basically just like clinging onto her head. And the angel and the Eva itself is doing the same thing. Yeah, that's what's really interesting is you wouldn't, you know. Again, I I've definitely wanted to backpedal, and I don't want a badmouth Gundam the way Ben wants to. <laughs> he's not in the room to defend himself, but you wouldn't see a Gundam doing this, like right. like writhing in pain and clutching its head in psychological despair. Like this is what we were talking about in a previous episode of Ano saying. Where's the blood? Yeah. You know, this this is the metaphorical blood really on display in the show. Asuka is, uh, I mean, interspersed with all of this, like, agony, emotional and physical agony. Um, we see these quick, like, psychedelic flash cuts of mm-hmm. her saying, don't come inside me, don't, uh, don't defile my mind. Um, and in previous, uh, we, we talked about this in previous iterations of the subtitles, there was like, don't rape my mind yeah. was one of the translations. Pretty upsetting. Um, uh, back at Nerve HQ, they're freaking out because her like uh, psychoactive readings are like off the charts and scrambled. And mm-hmm. so they, you know, quickly uh, sort unit O. Uh, oh, oh, up, Ray to right. get behind. We're talking about those those flashes that are going to continue, though. Yeah. I do like that they call to mind that there's a, there's a consistency to this mental scape stuff, and this is very similar to the flashes of stuff that Shinji experienced yep. with the the enemy uh, and the pictures of his father, and like these. And again, that was sort of seemed to be born from the need to create an episode out of pre-existing footage. And it's like, can we, with editing yes. and dialogue, kind of craft a new narrative out of this and use that to create this abstract mental space? And so it's like, oh, well, let's continue to employ that device. I think, again, more fully creatively and less as a need to you know, save money and more of just like, well, now it's a creative choice. We've established this. So you see a lot of flashes and you see a lot of flashes, interestingly, in German because of Asuka's German background. Mm -hmm. So we see the word nine, which of course means no, and the word toad, which means death. And there's a bunch of other ones too. Um, I think eventually you see the word that means hanging by suicide or suicide by hanging and double suicide, the German words for those phrases and some other kind of alarming and upsetting things. So it's very... Very dark, even darker than Shinji's inner world. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the kind of analog of this type of stylization of like Asuka's mental state and how it mirrors Shinji's. Because when we talk, when you guys talked about uh, Toji's mental state, <laughs> yeah. with him taking on the same kind the of train. Uh, train ride that Shinji took on, um, it kind of, I don't know, it's, there's a rationalization there, I think, because that was always kind of, con- that always confused me as well. It's like, well, how, what what exactly is this train that Toji's on? I thought this was <laughs> uh, Shinji's deal, but maybe it's implied now that this is just like a an element of the, you know, the, a visualization of the mentality of all, right. of everybody. Is that yeah, this, and, this and in some ways it's sort of like, element. is that not our train you exactly. know, for the audience like the characters yeah. aren't necessarily even seeing the train that's just how it's being visualized for us that's interesting you know what i mean like i don't think that there's words appearing in asuka's mind that she's reading right i think we're reading words that yes. asuka's feeling yes and exactly. asuka's thinking she's thinking about you know suicide by hanging she's thinking about mother and father she's thinking about these things we're we're reading them because it's the closest approximation we can get in a visual medium to what she's feeling there's Which is a, also sort of like that is like a godardian thing yep. too like the the idea that like just i mean the text on screen being literally like a stylistic thing that's a godardian thing but also like reminding the audience that they're watching something i mean it's not like that you're aware of it it's it's you know it's not meant to be like uh 
tricking you or something like that. Like you, you know, that's what this is. And it's not, like, right. it's not in their head. It's for, it's just us. We are receiving this thing as the audience. So ner- there's an interesting bit uh, that Ritzko brings up amidst all of this, like psycho psychological attack where mm-hmm. she's like, is, or, yes. uh, yeah, I'm going to bring this up. Is the angel trying to understand the human mind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility that it's not even really attacking her. It's just trying to understand her. And so it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, Frankenstein drowning the little, Frankenstein's monster, apologies, <laughs> drowning the little girl or whatever in the movie. Um, <clears throat> the desire to understand something, you know, breaking it apart and just not not realizing that it's hurting her. It's just trying to figure her out. It's just feeling her out. And that process to Asuka, something sifting through her mind is incredibly painful. And of course, what it's, you know, bringing up and making her see, you know, it's like stirring the... Uh, the where the where all the sediment has settled on the bottom of like mm-hmm. a, you know, a glass of lake water or something and then you stir it up and uh, all the shit it's, you know yeah, all the muck and, yeah. comes up regardless it's becoming very dangerous for oscar yeah. as nerve st- states uh straight up that it's destroying her mental circuits so they sortie God, unit it's, it's, oo and she has scary. an even larger rifle <laughs> <laughs> stationed up um chamber at maximum pressure and ray kind of you know gets the target in her sight and fires and it's a blast but uh, and angel it just pings off that at field yeah, and i exactly. love you that cut to the wide shot amazing. where you see the spread of the beam as it you know goes around it that's what this really this sh- scale on the show and the the variety of scale so many times in you know a lot of these big movies we're sort of locked into one scale and what's important when you're dealing with something big this is you know, when tokusatsu stuff whether it's you know godzilla or you know an animation or live action switching back and forth to remind us of the scale of these things is yeah. really really important and it's something that a lot of them don't get right you're sort of always at the you know shoulder shot with the guys in the suits so like, that's not going to be believable you need the wide shots and then you need the down low shots that you know like mm-hmm. a lot of people shit on the early godzilla the first legendary godzilla movie but i think that one's one of the better ones that actually conveying the scale of the monsters because yeah. it has the low end shots are like, oh, this is only as much as you'd be able to see from an airport tram of the creature, and mm-hmm. that just really sells it. So, you know that shot, the 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 shot you just described, the the when it's hitting the AT field, and you're gonna, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, in Last Jedi. Oh, it looks a lot like it looks this, a lot like that, Jedi. and I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and bet a hundred dollars that Brian Johnson's seen this. I almost would guarantee that he's seen Evangelion. Oh, I mean, I guess I'm thinking a little bit of uh, Force Awakens too, when they fire the beam uh, for the first time. Oh, sure. And it takes out the planets. We do. Well, that's that's interesting. I wonder if yeah, JJ's probably seen this. Uh, I would know, assume. So. I would hope that anybody <laughs> worth their salt. Well, you would <laughs> hope, but I mean, there is just so hard. To, you know, but up until recently, there's just there's definitely people that just that just didn't have access to it, or they just they'd heard about it, but they whatever. Mm-hmm. It just you know it slips the minds. But I think it's it's we you know you've heard heard us on here, Kevin, where we joke about like which which people have definitely seen Evangelion and which people you know would we want to see Evangelion, you know? And mm-hmm. I, but I, I'm betting that Ryan Johnson has seen it. Okay, so. We're getting into the the hard stuff. Uh, the stuff with Asuka's mom is yeah. really upsetting. There, there's in a show full of upsetting cuts. There are fewer. There are a few that are more upsetting than like young Asuka, you know, opening the door. That we get that sort of repeat, like that triptych of the door opening and like you know, Mama, look at me, or I'm so excited, or whatever. And then the final time it opens, you see that that she's hung herself, that her 
Kyoko, her mother, has hung herself, and the the feet, and then you see the doll hanging. Yeah, and uh, it's so sad to think of a little girl walking into a room and finding their parent has taken their own life. Is few worse stuff. Few worse things that I can think of, and it, and like I said, if you have any negative feelings about Asuka as a character, if this doesn't uh, fully, you know. Make you feel. Yeah, what is she saying? Can we can we jump back right the, here? Well, to the door when she's the like the three she's times we see her opening to the see door. Excited to see her mom. She said, "Mama, mama." She's like excited to share some information with her. Um, and is she a child at this time? Oh wait, no. I actually said, "Mom, please don't kill me." Is what she's saying. Well, because the mother has hung herself and she's hung the doll. So I think the idea was the mother was, "I'm going to take you with me. I'm going to." Which is even more disturbing. The doll that she said was Asuka or saw as Asuka, she yes. quote unquote killed the doll and killed Jesus. herself. And yeah. that, so if Asuka kind of lucked out there in that, uh, <laughs> but it just further complicates you know. how fucked up all of it is, though. That yeah. like that it's that it's she replaced. You know, you had to watch yourself be replaced by a doll. You had to watch your mom go crazy. You know, and, and then you see it, the and fate then you of watch, the doll. And then yeah, and then your mom kill herself. That she and called then, Asuka. Yeah, and that she was intending to kill you, and that you're. There's like yeah. a, yeah, it's a survivor's guilt thing to that. There's a, I mean, well, the little layers. It says, of, yeah. Yeah, uh, please don't quit being my mom, which is really heartbreaking. But that that is the breaking point, and that's what we saw with the funeral earlier, and we we see more of it here. Of like, that's the breaking point when she decided, like, all right, fine, I'm fine, I'm okay. Uh, I'll just grow up fast. Mm-hmm. I'll just grow up. I don't need stuffed animals. I don't need any of this stuff. I just need to do what I do and be good at it. And that's why we've, we kind of find out. That's why it's so important to her that she be the best and that she be recognized as this is because it all goes back to that moment when she kind of made that decision of like, I need to take care of myself because nobody else is going to do it. So not an excuse, but an explanation for her behavior. Yeah. And so we're, so we're getting... I think where where are we at in the more trippy future. techniques? Yeah, like the idea of the repeated. You get that loop that goes on where you know it starts to feel like is something wrong with the DVD? It's oh, and it's, when it's like yeah. and it's like is different it five? Deli- you counted? Yeah, and it's different deliveries of like it's slightly different sonic deliveries iterations yep. and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yep. The, the, Basically, the, 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 saying, this is my chance. Has always been my yep. favorite one. Mm-hmm. I think I think about it a lot when I when this episode starts. Um, but yeah, introducing herself and being sweet, uh, sort of exposing herself and saying, you know, look at me, I'm a grown up, and then this is my chance, kind of being the sum parts, <laughs> the sum total of Asuka. But you could just imagine. I mean, like if somebody had like clips of you. Like yeah, you, what what would be your three? Well, they could be, but if you were forced to to watch them over and over oh, again, yeah. and like the sort of like you know, it's like the thing like when you say a word enough times and it starts to sound like nonsense, it doesn't have yep. any meaning. It's yep. like having to just like look at yourself and be like, oh, this is me when I'm trying to look cool. Great, this is me when I'm like sad and yes. I didn't want to be. It's just like what it like how upsetting that would be to have yeah. to watch yourself replayed over and over again. Oh yeah, until you could just were so sick of yourself. Yeah, and which is what she's feeling. Yeah, and I think it's it's easy to. For me, it's easy to watch this and project and be like, God, I mean, that's just like, you know, like, yeah, like if you heard yourself saying something stupid, like on this podcast, and you and you had to hear it over and over again, like, um, just reminding you. Following this kind of like staccato kind of like repetitive thing, uh, we see her kind of searching for Kaji, and he's like, is exists as like this semblance, this shadow in the distance, and then she's overcome by all of these like... Hooded uh, figures. Hooded figures. It quickly becomes psychedelic. 
Um, and she kind of gets lost in the spiral where she sees Kaji, but she also sees Shinji. And she's like, no, why are you here? Why yeah, this is why important. is Shinji here? Why won't you ever go away? You won't even like she and then she starts to blame him for like, you won't do anything for me. You won't be there for me. You won't even hold me, she says. Yes. Um, and then and she, I think that's I, I had brought up in here before wondering, like, is there any actual feelings on her part for Shinji? And I think that this kind of confirms that there is exactly yeah, that, no, that yeah a I lot of her animosity do. towards him stems from you know shinji look at me which she does say in the magma diver episode and we get you know variations of look at me here most tellingly and heartbreakingly with the child version tears streaming down her face screaming please look at me but that shinji refuses to do that and shinji won't even hold her and shinji won't even respond when she you know kisses him and she has to you know make up a, an excuse to do it like oh i'm just killing time or this or that but she's constantly trying to reach out to him and he just is so oblivious and that hurts her and he doesn't realize that he's doing that but that's the hedgehog's dilemma God, yeah all this all this the flashing like the the, the different sort of like um what would you what do you call what do you call that like the sort of i guess it's like negative mm-hmm. things like the different repurposed of images and the flashing and i mean it's yeah oh, there's the uh, swing set which we're going to continue to see uh-huh. in addition to the train there's this park um but again, the child, we saw child Shinji sort of talking to Shinji before, and now we see child Asuka talking to Asuka. And I find it interesting that I believe child Shinji was sort of more accusatory with him, and the child Asuka is sort of kind of offering comfort and asking mm-hmm. her if she's lonely. And the adult Asuka rejects that. And I, you know, I think, especially with a lot of young people, and this is something I noticed in a lot of people growing up around me, as I was, you know, I have my issues, but I was some, to some extent always more comfortable with who I was and I would see a lot of people in a hurry to reject or even murder their childhood selves to cut that part of them out and in such a hurry to grow up. And that always struck me as not the healthiest thing in the world to do. Uh, And we can really see that with Asuka here of, no, I I was weak when I was a child. So I'm rejecting that childhood part of myself when she kind of needs that part to be a complete person. And we see what happens when she doesn't have it. And even even so far as you know, Misato's telling her retreat, and she refuses to 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 there's, to stop. There's something funny. It's not funny, but like there's something interesting about like for for we talk a lot about it, how we watched this show when we were closer to the age of the characters, and now we're all adults, and watching it now has a different relationship. And, and in a, in a way, like Shinji and Asuka and Ray, well, mostly Shinji and Asuka, I guess, but like are it feel a little bit like like inner child things for me as a viewer like it's like there's something uh-huh. about seeing the rawness of teenage emotion and it and it and you in relating to it and remembering when things felt more extreme like that and stuff and that it's it's a bit of like an extra meta layer that like i'm watching <laughs> it and watching like you know the sort of child like kind of id aspects of, mm-hmm. of things of myself in shinji and then you know but then we're also seeing the characters confront their own inner child kind of thing yeah. and it kind of gives it especially if you've spent enough time with the show it kind of gives it this extra layer and maybe if you're watching it for the first time maybe you still maybe you remember behaving in ways that you would be embarrassed by now as a teenager and maybe this does bring that up for you i don't know but mm-hmm. i don't know that just occurred to me that it's mm-hmm. interesting to see it's like a russian doll of inner inner child relationships <laughs> the you know yep breaking off the screen but uh, the gun's not going to reach that angel. The only way to save Asuka is to... Uh, well, Shinji wants to go out in Unit 1, but yeah. nobody's going to let that happen because this is <laughs> mentally contaminating the mind of the pilot. And it's like, yeah, the last thing we want to do is contaminate Unit 1. <laughs> Jesus. 
Now, logically, because it fucking awakened and seems to be like <laughs> this godlike thing now, but also because Gendo personally has plans for it, whatever those plans may be. So yeah. that's not happening. Uh, so he says they're going to go get the lance. Um, he sends Ray down to get the lance right. from Terminal Dogma. And Misato's worried that won't that cause third impact if an Ava and Adam make contact? And Gendo doesn't react, and that kind of signals to Misato, okay, maybe the stories I've been told her have been bullshit. There's something more going on here. And then and she, the yeah. cause of second impact was not necessarily what I thought it was. Right, which, which is- leaves me... Uh, flabbergasted. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember exactly what... I know there's a reveal coming up in episode 24 that's important that I've been trying so hard to not uh, talk about. But I don't know, yeah, how the, how much that's going to clarify things. But I mean, but this is... But this, and I'm just tracking it again that uh, Masada's increasing amount of dissatisfaction with her position in this organization and how much, even when she's told things like that are supposed to be like she's being you know let in on something there's still more to the story there's still more to the situation than she knows and she's mm-hmm. getting increasingly frustrated with everybody and i think i think that's significant um to clock because it's yeah you know so we send unit zero down this is an interesting space that's that's introduced here of like the big tunnel that where the gates can open it mm-hmm. can be lowered down into through, through the mail bulge which is the eighth circle of hell in Dante's Inferno. <laughs> and isn't, Interesting. Isn't there a spawn character called Melbolgia? I'm sure that's a, some kind of spawn thing. But sounds yeah. like the, sounds like it would be a thing. Fitzky basically uh, kind of whispers in Gendo's ear. He's like, hey, aren't we kind of getting ahead of ourselves here with this lance and shit? And I yeah. mean, we're already mass producing other, Eva, other Evas and... He's like, this might be a, a little... And then Gendo's just like, no, we can't turn back time, but we have the power to spur it onward. So he's, he he's has, saying it's important they have to beat Sele. They you know? have to beat Sele, yeah, exactly. To, to do what we're doing, before we have to make our move before Sele does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Mel Bolge is, by the way... You guys remember Violator, right? Oh, yep. sure. Yeah, Mel Bolge was like oh. the bigger version of Violator. Interesting. Oh, yeah, Fascinating. Yeah. Like he was the boss, the boss boss. And I, you buy the special two-pack... That had like the spawn and the Malbolgia figure, who was like this giant, really big jaw. Really fascinating for me. Then when we're looking at Terminal Dogma in all of its surreal kind of glory, with Adam uh, crucified to this giant red cross with this lance <laughs> sticking in it, um, in there deep, real deep, it has yeah. to work to get really. That thing out. I mean, and just thinking about how much struggle it takes for Unit OO to pull that yeah. thing out. Um, I love that in the sea of LCL that she's wading in and that this cross is kind of suspended <laughs> in our, our, our enormous battleships. Yeah. yeah. Nerve yeah. battleships that are there doing yeah. something. Um, so she pulls out the lance and immediately... Uh, uh, the legs grow back. Legs grow back, yeah. Which uh, did not happen before the director's cut, by the way. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the cut. The, every, every time you see... And Futsky's calling out, you know, Gendo's really just looking, you know, it's like, are we going to be able to even get the lance back after we Mm -hmm. use it, after we throw it? The lance seeming like an an essential item. Yeah, it seems really important. I mean, they they brought it over Uh, here. But Futsky's sort of surmising that this is an excuse on Gendo's part to use it. Like, he doesn't even, like, really need to do it. Like, this is a chance for them to do it and maybe get rid of it. And maybe get rid of it. Yeah. Exactly. And fuck with uh, the lance is and then you can, on you can go back to Sele and be yep. like, "Well, hey man, look, this angel's doing the mind ray beam, and you know we had to use it. We had, we had to, to use something. the lance. Yes, 
And so Ray, oh God, like, an expert javelin God, thrower, so just cool. launches this thing and it breaks apart the atmosphere, so, pierces uh, so the cool. stratosphere. Some of my favorite animation from the show. Brilliant. Some of the most memorable yeah. animation. Absolutely penetrates it, the AT field, transforms in it. shape. Like a, like a spear and uh, destroys the angel just and like that. Either the spear or the Ava roars when it goes yes, flying it through the atmosphere. Yep. Exactly. Uh, the old Unit 1 roar. Um, <laughs> and she throws that spear into lunar orbit. And that's where it sits. <laughs> and in, in very similar to 2001 Space yes. Odyssey, we see uh, this beautiful shot of the lance kind the of just yeah reflecting the sunlight. Um, we need a gift of that. Like That needs to be. Yeah, like, right? Uh, it's incredible. Um, fun, 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 uh, fun bonus fact. Uh, Kevin, didn't we reference that shot in our, uh, our student film? For abstraction oh. on the chronology yeah, of Will? Yeah, we have a character throw something that Absolutely. Something flies into the sky, and I believe we referenced the way that, like, the clouds part and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. That was, uh, going, going back to film school days. I was in that movie. You were in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a French accent. What was kind your character of, name? Uh, EQ. EQ. Incredible. And, 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 uh, and I wanted to have a Gendo beard, and you guys made me have a stupid Errol Flynn beard. It's true. Fun, fun <laughs> oh, fact. Oh, really? I'm so sorry. <laughs> so something that I've been meaning to, to pull up and put on the internet, because it's great, is in that uh, student film that we made, there is uh, a couple good bits, but there's a really great bit where Luke has a standoff at gunpoint with um, <laughs> our friend Stephen Pyatt, uh, who some of you may know as the director of uh, uh, Channel Zero Season Two and right. uh, episodes of uh, the Hulu show that uh, is it called the was it the Act? Act? Yeah, yeah. Stephen Pyatt's great director, great friend of ours, and uh, him and Luke both acted in this movie and uh, huh. acted together in a couple bits. And I, I got to find that at some point and, and show it to people because it's great. <laughs> it is great. I, I recall because I had the camera on my shoulder filming that moment, and I remember when I whipped off of Stephen holding this like gun on Luke's character and whipped over to Luke. Luke, uh, your performance at that moment like uh, it gave me goosebumps. Oh, my French accent is not so good. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Well, we we, we, we made up a whole tri- bit. we made a whole bit that like that your character does an accent sometimes, but not other times because he's like a master of disguise or something. Like we had a bunch of shit that we made up. Also, Stephen Pye well, I just wanted to do a, Spanish, a German <laughs> accent. I did, it, it sounds way more German than French. It's 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 yeah, that's a good bit. So that's not important, but I thought people would appreciate uh, some references to past things. Um, but. but we do end with, you know, Shinji. So Ray saves the day, which is really not, is the nail in the coffin for Asuka's sense of self yeah. pride and, and self We're going to see how that falls apart. Asuka is okay. Uh, Physically. In physical sense. But mentally. She's brought out of Unit O, um, or O2, sorry. And. Um, Unit O2 is descended back into Nerve, and uh, Shinji tries to be like, hey, you know, we're okay. <laughs> like, everything's all right. And she immediately, you know, falls into dismissive kind of dejection. Well, I think it's like the third, the end of the trilogy of her, I hate everybody's. Exactly. Thing. It's like the final line of the show is, you know, I hate everybody. And yeah, I don't know. Some days I'm an Asuka. Like, I definitely, this episode. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you. Uh, you're <laughs> definitely. Feeling like a kindred spirit in some ways. Uh, well, I think we got to pull the plug on it because we we also have lives and jobs. Everybody's and we, got shit to do. We, we got can't shit to do. watch Evangelion all day. We can't. We got other things to do, life stuff. But guys, thanks for uh, listening. We're we're deep in it now, and uh, it's going to get crazier from here on in. So 
stay stay with us if you stay frosty yeah <laughs> all right and thanks to kevin for being here again my pleasure thanks guys all right see you <laughs>